Why on earth did Prime Minister Justin Trudeau invoke the Emergency Act, and what exactly does it give him the power to do? I'm Candace Malcolm, and this is The Candace Malcolm Show. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning into the podcast today. So as you know, Justin Trudeau invoked the Emergency Measures Act on Monday afternoon. This is the most dramatic move possible for a prime minister in Canada, giving himself broad and sweeping powers that are previously unprecedented during peacetime. So these powers were not used during the Oka crisis in 1990. They were not used following 9-11 or following the terrorist attack on Parliament Hill when an active terrorist shooter entered Parliament just steps away from where members of Parliament were meeting. But Trudeau invoked them this week. Why? Because a small group of maybe a few hundred truckers refused to leave and continued to camp out in Ottawa. Was the Freedom Convoy really that big of a threat? Was this necessary? And what exactly does this give Trudeau the power to do? Well, to help me make sense of all of this, I am joined by Ryan O'Connor. Ryan O'Connor is a Toronto-based lawyer working as a partner at Zayuna Law Firm. O'Connor has written articles in the Toronto Sun, Post Media, and Post Millennial. Outside of his work as a lawyer, O'Connor serves as a director on the board of Ontario Proud. And I think most importantly, Ryan, you are married to the wonderful Jessica, who represented True North when we sued the Trudeau government's debate commissions back during the 2019 federal election. We won triumphantly because of her work, her brilliant work as a lawyer. And it was a huge victory for all Canadians for free speech and freedom of press. So thank you so much for joining us today, Ryan. Well, it's good to be with you, Candice. And that latter point is probably my proudest accomplishment. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> me too, me too. Well, Ryan, I, I want to, on, on a more serious note, I want to ask you about the Emergencies Act, because there, there was sort of a lot of confusion as to what it did. I know that some people online last night were saying that uh, that that this was, you know, martial law, and it was suspending civil liberties, and other Trudeau supporters were pushing back saying, no, it doesn't go that broad, and, and, and this has parliamentary oversight. So can you can you help us make sense of what exactly this act does and how it works? So uh, the Emergency Act was enacted in 1988. Um, It replaced the War Measures Act, which the Prime Minister's father, Pierre, had enacted in 1970 in response to the uh, October crisis, the terrorist attacks were going on in Quebec, kidnappings, assassinations. And one of the reasons why this was enacted was to uh, ensure that this emergency legislation that we had was compliant with the Charter, which had come into effect six years prior. Um, There are very strict criteria that have to be met in order for uh, the the federal cabinet, in this case, to declare what's called a national uh, emergency. There has to be, uh, broadly speaking, a a threat to public safety that's uh, beyond the capacity of a province to deal with. And uh, in fact, a national emergency is defined as uh, being beyond the capacity of any, pardon me, the capacity of any of our current laws uh, to address. So it is, it can be uh, seen to be uh, sort of a last step for a government that has exhausted all options in a time of actual crisis. But there's a very real question from a legal perspective is whether or not that definition of national emergency has been met and whether or not we're in such a crisis at this stage in response to protests and, and some blockades that would warrant the enactment of, of very significant legislation that can trample on Canadian civil liberties. Well, so what does the Trudeau government say? Like they must have issued some kind of uh, you know, legal document saying what the crisis is, why they believe it's a crisis, and why the current laws are uh, not enough insufficient to help them deal with this. Well, they've uh, issued an order in council, which is a, an order of the federal cabinet. One of the justifications was the economic impact that some of these blockades have had. And let's bear in mind that the blockade in the, uh, uh, in the Windsor, Detroit area, the Ambassador Bridge in Ontario, has been cleared. 
that blockade's no longer impacting uh, the local economy or the Canadian economy broadly. There are still some blockades at border crossings, we understand. Uh, but it appears that law enforcement officials have the ability and the discretion to deal with that. But some of the other justifications, again, just don't make sense. They're concerned about uh, uh, you know, political donations that might be financing the trucker convoy and the blockades. Uh, and again, citing the economic impact that the blockades have had because Canada is recovering from uh, the pandemic. Uh, you know, we've had two years where government policy has imposed very significant um, restrictions on the economy that have had economic impacts for small businesses you know, and, uh, and individuals. So, you know, the government's using justifications uh, for these extreme measures that, you know, frankly have existed for the last two years and it hasn't, uh, it hasn't utilized. So um, it's a bit perplexing reading the order in council. And there's also a reference to uh, an impact, I'm paraphrasing on, on supply chains, on economic activity. Well, you know, the government's mandates have had that impact on economic activity long before these blockades were imposed. So those are some of the justifications that the Trudeau cabinet has used to justify invoking this national emergency. Okay, one other question on this topic of why they would do this. So there was a tweet on Tuesday afternoon from Ashley Burke over at the CBC. She writes this, Public Safety Minister says what's driving the demonstrations across Canada is a, quote, very small and organized group driven by an ideology to overthrow the government through whatever means they may wish to use, unquote. She goes on to say that a minister, Mendicino, said that the arrest in Coots, Alberta is an example of this, what the government is concerned, talking about how a cache of weapons were seized. And she continues to say public, uh, public safety minister Mark Mendocino has said there have been multiple people trying to characterize the blockades as about vaccines and mandates and about fatigue with the pandemic. But he says that is not what is driving this movement. So, so Ryan, this is the first I'm hearing about this whole idea that, that this whole freedom convoy was just a front to actually overthrow the Trudeau government and that there's a small, you know, serious group of driven by ideology to overthrow the government. Was that mentioned in the order in council? And is this something that you've heard before? Well, that's not specifically mentioned in the order uh, in council. Um, it's not something that I've heard generally. There's been rumblings online about the motivations of some of the, the protesters. You know, this is a very broad movement in Canada. I'm sure many of them would want to see uh, this government uh, replaced with a, a different political party, given how they've, uh, uh, you know, the policies have been acted during the pandemic. But I don't know if this is based on um, intelligence that the government has access to and is letting the public know about. So uh, I'm not so sure where it's going with that. But the government has to be very careful that this national emergency was not declared solely because it might disagree with the objectives of some of the protesters. If you simply disagree with the government and want to have a protest, that's what happens in a liberal democracy. And it cannot and should not ever be used as justification to impose very sweeping laws that can restrict assembly, very sweeping laws that can freeze, in this case, bank accounts without judicial authorization uh, and to clear uh, otherwise legal political protests. So the government is treading on very dangerous water. If they believe that this is something ideological, uh, you know, an attempt to, to take over the government, so to speak, without justification. So it's somewhat concerning to hear that when the government didn't even indicate that in its announcement yesterday. Okay, so so we, we, we sort of get some kind of a murky picture of why the government would do this. Let's let's talk a little bit about what they now have the powers to do, because you touched on a little bit seizing bank accounts. And Christy Freeland came out uh, talking about how insurance policies can be canceled. People can lose their corporate bank accounts. And Justin Trudeau talked about how truck drivers 
uh, sorry, tow truck drivers can be compelled now uh, to tow these trucks because that was part of the problem that they were having before. So can, can, you, can you help us uh, understand what, what exactly is being enabled and, and whether any of this, uh, these options and these new powers have been exercised? Well, we'll have to uh, we'll have to wait and see if they're uh, exercised. Um, the cabinet now has given itself the authority to issue orders that they had uh, um, expressly intended to yesterday: commandeering uh, tow trucks to clear heavy vehicles from protests, freezing the assets of accounts that are believed to be financing the convoy, and uh, and also, or alternatively, the blockades. Uh, now, uh, the cabinet can, under if the legislation was properly invoked, and uh, the emergency was properly declared, then the government does have wide latitude to, uh, to issue those, uh, those regulations. Um, some of those regulations haven't, uh, to my mind, been published yet, um, so we'll, we'll see. And uh, the government does have seven days uh, to issue a, a motion before Parliament, which can be discussed and debated about its justification and its intentions. So a lot of this is still unfolding and remains to be seen, but this is very um, broad legislation uh, that does allow cabinet-wide latitude to issue those, uh, those orders. And, and some of those have very significant civil liberties implications, commandeering private property and freezing bank accounts are the most significant of that. Well, so interestingly, we've heard several legal groups and constitutional groups come out and oppose this. The uh, Justice Center for Constitutional Freedoms, the Canadian Constitution Foundation, which are both sort of more center-right rule of law groups, but also the Canadian Civil Liberties Association, which is more of a left-wing group. They've all condemned the decision to, to, to invoke these powers. Do, do you think that will have any bearing? Do you think that, uh, you know, lawyers uh, trying to stop this like what 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 can what can lawyers do to, to try to stop this what can canadians do uh, to try to stop this and do you think that these critics will will have any uh, impact on this well largely depends on on the, the focus of a challenge we still have to see whether or not tow trucks are being commandeered bank accounts are actually being frozen or if this just is an attempt to uh, uh, disquelch opposition to this uh, government um, it is heartening um, from my perspective, to see those who might be identified as more progressive groups, as well as uh, groups on the other side of the spectrum, more conservative in nature, uh, opposing this. Um, that tells you that uh, a lot of lawyers uh, oppose this. Uh, you know, this again is the, this is unprecedented. This act has never been invoked uh, before. And those who have been lobbying for the invocation of the Emergency Act, whether they be politicians and, and those maybe supportive of this government, we know the NDP has endorsed this. Uh, despite not endorsing a lot of the, you know, the recent pandemic uh, restrictions necessarily, um, you know, it's uh, it's unfortunate to see them endorsing it, but at the same time, it's heartening to see that there are people who who generally oppose this. And look, at the end of the day, if you oppose the protests and the motivation behind them, and oppose the blockades and the motivation behind them, uh, you know, what's to say the government can't use these powers in the future uh, against a cause that you support? And it should give all of us pause as Canadians as well as lawyers. That when you start to exercise this power and it starts to become normalized, uh, it may be used against cause that you, causes that you believe in. And we're all poor for it in the liberal democracy if that's the case. Absolutely. And so many of the people who are okay with it today or cheering it along uh, were the same kind of people that were ripping their hair out. Uh, over, over just, uh, oh, sorry, over Stephen Harper's, uh, like I saw Stephen Taylor tweet that, you know, many of the same people uh, who, who agree with this were, were very upset when Stephen Harper uh, removed the long form census. And that was something that they thought was a threat to, to liberal democracy. Um, and here they are standing, standing quietly by. So, I mean, 
it's, it's interesting because we, you know, we talk about groups that have come out against it. We've also interestingly seen some people come out in favor of it. I saw Peter McKay uh, tweeted in favor of saying it's necessary. I, I believe he had a piece in the National Post saying that same thing. I haven't really heard a, a, a huge uproar from uh, Candace Bergen and the Conservative Caucus. Uh, w- you know, wh- why do you think that there haven't been more why hasn't there been more political pushback uh, Doug for the premier of Ontario seems to be perfectly happy with it uh, why why are these conservatives going along with a huge power grab by a liberal prime minister I think there's a tension there with those uh, on the conservative side of the spectrum because they often portray themselves as being supportive of uh, law and order and uh, you know there are some lawbreakers like you know the the best example was the ambassador bridge blockade any sort of blockade of critical infrastructure should be dealt uh, with uh, in the confines of the law. It, but the law already allowed us to, uh, allowed governments, pardon me, and police to clear the blockade in Windsor without a national emergency. We've seen some of the other blockades be, be cleared out in various uh, other places. So I think there's a tension on, uh, you know, for Conservative parties say, well, they want to still support law and order, and this is a way uh, to do so. But what I find fascinating more generally is that no one on any side of the political spectrum seriously called for the invocation of the Emergencies Act when our critical infrastructure, uh, rail, uh, forestry and the like, uh, were being impeded during uh, the protests and blockades in February 2020. No serious person was advocating for um, the potential suspension of civil liberties and uh, the imposition of the uh, Emergencies Act. Yet for some reason, that's par for the discourse this time. And I find that to be incredibly uh, disheartening. Uh, no one should approach this from a political perspective. They should approach it from a civil liberties perspective. Um, and I think we should all be alarmed wherever anyone is on the spectrum about, about the challenges of civil liberties that this is presenting. Well, that, that sort of reminds me, we saw the image right around the same time as Justin Trudeau was making his announcement of, of invoking these Emergency Measures Act. Uh, there was a pretty ruckus looking protest in Gastown in, in my hometown of Vancouver, where they violently desecrated a statue, tore it down, the statue of Gassy Jack, who uh, that's the, sort of the latest person on the hit list, I suppose, for um, some, some left-wing activists. Uh, they pulled the statue down. Interesting, because I haven't seen any of that kind of violence or desecration or destruction of private property at the trucker protests. But but yet, you know, to your point, no one no one would have ever imagined evoking invoking emergency measures over these things. Why 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 does a society why does a prime minister treat left wing groups so differently than pro freedom uh, working class groups? Well, the prime minister sees that there's an emergency, but it's not a national emergency. It's a political emergency. Um, the prime minister is being squeezed from both ends of the spectrum. We've seen that in recent um, polling numbers. Uh, he's uh, His response has been seen to be inac- inadequate by those who want to, a more forceful response. And uh, his, uh, he's also being opposed by others in the political spectrum who, who want to see him remove all mandates and all COVID restrictions and let Canadians move on with their lives. So that's created, as I said, a political emergency for the Liberal Party. Uh, and they're taking an opportunity, ironically, two years into the pandemic, when there may have been justifications potentially at the beginning of the pandemic to assert these powers, um, the prime minister is doing so now because he's being politically squeezed. And that just demonstrates the cynicism of this. This again is potentially very draconian legislation that should only be invoked in rare circumstances, perhaps if there's a war or a serious natural disaster. But the prime minister appears to be invoking it not for those reasons, but for his own uh, political and partisan gain. And I frankly find that to be cynical and, uh, and frankly an affront to liberal democracy. 
Well, I agree. I hope he pays a political price. Well, final question for you, Ryan. So what, what do you what do you think is lying ahead? What's going to happen in the next few days here, uh, both in Parliament in terms of you know, getting this this emergency act through to the point where they can actually start using the powers? And then once those powers are enabled, what what what, what do you expect to see on the streets in places like Ottawa? I, I don't know if there's anyone left in Windsor. I don't think so. But in wherever else these trucker convoy uh, convoy protests may pop up. Well, we saw with Ontario's declaration of emergency, it really didn't change things aside from clearing the blockade, which would have presumably been cleared anyways. There was a court injunction. Um, you know, the, the trucker convoy in Ottawa has been there now going on four weeks, and I don't think they're going anywhere. I don't know that there's an appetite to clear those individuals out, nor should there be if they're peacefully protesting in the parliamentary uh, precinct. But what, what is going to unfold in Parliament over the next few days is very interesting. The Emergencies Act requires that um, the government uh, table a motion uh, for consideration within seven days. Um, the state of emer pardon me, the national emergency can exist for 30 days. There, there are opportunities to extend that. Um, but there's also a built-in accountability mechanism. And I just wonder if the Liberal government has really considered that. There has to be an inquiry uh, into the use of the emergency power. That inquiry has to start uh, within uh, 60 days after the end of the emergency. And uh, there has to be a report to Parliament on that inquiry within 360 days uh, of the um, uh, of the emergency. So there's a built-in accountability mechanism. And uh, while we hope that if, if there is overreach, that uh, lawyers and uh, uh, legal organizations will be challenging any government overreach, particularly if it breaches the Charter of Rights or Constitution otherwise, there is a built-in accountability mechanism. And I'm hopeful that uh, from that accountability mechanism over the next year, uh, we'll see recommendations that will restrict government uh, from ever using this uh, this tool, which should be rarely used, but using it as a, as a tool for political gain as opposed to supporting public safety and public health. Well, it's going to be really interesting to watch it unfold. I, ho I hope, again, uh, Trudeau pays the price. I hope this backfires on him because, again, we we've seen uh, unbelievable abuses of power over the last two years, restrictions on our freedoms. And, you know, to, 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 to pretend that this is some kind of a national emergency that warrants even more temporary emergency powers, I think to many Canadians, is just a complete farce. So uh, Ryan O'Connor, lawyer in Toronto, thank you so much for joining the show. Thank you for helping us understand and break everything down. Good to be with you, Candace. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm Kenneth Malcolm, and this is The Kenneth Malcolm Show.